the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Sydney Edwards, bringing you the latest tech updates and everything else happening in the cold chain world. Now, if you're familiar with Running on Ice, the show, then you know Running on Ice, the newsletter that I write every Wednesday and Friday. And tonight is no different. It brings you all the latest updates and everything else that we don't focus on here in the show, but everything else that's happening in the reefer world. Now, you can catch that uh, happening tonight at... 7 p.m., excuse me. However, I want to start off with some headlines, so let's get into what's really going on now. Now, KLLM, one of the largest temperature-controlled carriers in the nation, announced yesterday it has acquired Quest Global for an undisclosed amount of money. Now, Quest currently provides reefer surfaces to several Fortune 500 companies and specializes in expedite transportation with coast-to-coast coverage. KLLM CEO Jim Richards said that Quest's company values and culture were a great fit to integrate. Quest will completely rebrand with the KLLM name as KLLM Expedited Services and will continue to operate from its current headquarters. And Wabash Trailers will officially be sporting a new blue logo as part of the company's rebranding. In an article from Globe Newswire, this unveiling joins the company's efforts in uniting its products and services, employees, customers, and business partners as one Wabash. The president and CEO, Brent Yegi, says their brands are stronger together, and this vision is now expressed on those trailers. By the end of 2022, Wabash's entire fleet of vehicles, truck bodies, systems, and services will be rebranded with the new logo. And Maersk has officially chosen Apollo projects for a new build in New Zealand. In an article from Scoop, the facility will span more than 193,000 square feet, making this the largest cold storage project for Apollo. The two companies are prioritizing environmental sustainability and have a goal to achieve a six-star green star rating. Apollo Projects director and CEO Paul Lloyd says they'll also introduce to the country never-before-seen cold-chain technology. In order to achieve these goals, Scoop says this new site will include a full CO2 refrigeration system, it will collect and reuse rainwater from 200,000 liter storage tanks, and will be fit with solar panels that will cover over one hectare. Construction will begin this August and should be complete by the end of 2023. Now let's get to the good stuff. I am joined today by Dr. Cliff Glade with Thermal Custom Packaging. Cliff, how are you doing today? Great. Great. Good. <laughs> I thought maybe Bob was going to be joining us too, but I will take you. <laughs> well, Bob lives very close to the Canadian border during the summer, mm. and he has an internet speed of about one mouse. Oh, and goodness. He's probably trying to get on, <laughs> but it's a, always a challenge for Bob. We can't all be uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, the gig city. I understand that. <laughs> so let's go on and we'll move ahead and we'll start with your background. Um, if you could just tell us a little bit about where you were before Thermal Custom Packaging and how things really began. Okay. I graduated Cornell some time ago and then went to medical school. Following medical school, I went to veterinary school. On or about 2003, I was asked to be a consultant for the largest nonprofit healthcare in the United States. And at that time, they were using canvas bags and styrofoam and gel pack ice to transport blood specimens, tissues, and biologicals. And 
as you would expect, they were having a lot of issues. So we looked at what they were doing, and we designed a lightweight insulated tote that weighed, uh, depending on which size we used, between four and eight pounds, and, and was we were able to sterilize it versus styrofoam. And then we replaced the gel packs with a engineered phase change material. So using the insulated totes, we started moving approximately 250,000 blood specimens every morning for them. And that is just one state in the United States. They wanted to get away from dry ice because of uh, the liabilities, having to procure it when it wasn't available. So we engineered some frozen phase change material. And a phase change material is nothing more than a chemical reaction that stores energy when it shifts from one phase to another. By that, I mean going from a solid to a, li- to a liquid. Over the next couple of years, working with this corporation, with feedback, we redesigned and redesigned and redesigned the totes until we came up with a workable solution that was best for everybody. In the photo you're showing on the board, that's a small tote on the left, um, which holds uh, just a, a concept, holds about 400 COVID vaccines, a couple of hundred blood specimens. They, wanna make, they wanted to make sure that the tote with the PCM and the specimens always came in under 20 pounds. I gave you their volume, uh, which has grown since that time. And then what what occurred was other uh, partners that they work with in the United States started getting a hold of us uh, and requesting totes for their use. And that's how we started. Very good stuff. And I know now we actually do have Bob in here with us now. Uh, Bob, how are you doing? And the other co-founder of Thermal Custom Packaging. Yeah, just great. Thanks. I had a little bit of trouble dialing in, but here I am. Oh, you are all good. Cliff was telling me you are just right near the Canadian border, if that's correct, and maybe don't always get the best service. Uh, I'm in a rural area and I have very poor rural service. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Well, we'll take you by phone. This is working great. Now, we're just going into a bit of the background and and how things started. And Cliff just gave an awesome explanation. But I would like to also hear about maybe your background and how you got involved as well in thermal custom packaging. Um, I am a newly retired uh, surgeon, a urologic surgeon, who practiced in the southeastern portion of Michigan for about 40 years. Uh, the, in, the, in the course of those years, got uh, heavily involved in, uh, obviously, practice management and running. We had 55 docs and 28 offices. But one of the things that I that I got involved with since 89, 1989 was the U.S. FDA uh, from a standpoint of evaluating products and tests and drugs and, uh, per- and procedures and devices and, um, and actually still remain on that. So became very interested in in obviously the the, the not just the practice of medicine, but the science of medicine and in particular the new and upcoming techn- technologies. Uh, I met uh, Cliff a number of years ago. Um, 
and uh, we've sort of collaborated on how to expand the business into into further further medical issues and and obviously the the, uh, the the hit was when covid came out and the needing need to transport these vaccines beyond the, the the large scale shipments and I'm not sure if Cliff mentioned it or not but basically they they come out of the the drug manufacturers in large and what you do you know, what you talk about more is the truckloads of dry ice and the vaccines and they get transported to each state in the U.S. and obviously all over the world into into whatever the equivalent of the state would be and then from there they're dispersed out into the hospitals or the large pharmacies who then further disperse them out into the into smaller uh, areas. The issue really is controlling the temperature of the vaccines and other drugs, chemotherapy, immunotherapy drugs, a lot of things like that, uh, uh, for what we refer to as the last mile. Um, you know, it's it's you can't get your your freight liners, you know, down into rural America to, to, to deliver these products. And consequently, you can't get dry ice uh, on a, on a regular basis to be able to control the, control the temperatures and just ice bags don't, don't do it in particular with respect to the vaccines and a lot of other medications and a lot of other blood specimens that are drawn and have to go back to a lab. And that's basically where, where we came in because we were able to do the last mile, whether it's in a frigid area, whether it's in a desert area, whether it's in a rural area, um, and control the temperatures for these vaccines for, for delivery. So the challenges were how folks were doing it before and the two of you noticing that things could have been better and that, you know, really keeping things the temperature they needed to be was an issue. And so now with thermal custom packaging, maybe tell me, I know that Cliff had gone into and you both had actually mentioned the types of products that you have, but maybe tell me how those products differ from what is already on the market and what, and what people are really using some other companies that might be using um, to move their cold freight. Most, mostly what is on the market are gel packs. Most gel packs are a plastic bag with a substance in it. And in most cases, that substance is frozen water and or include, uh, if they claim it to be fro uh, a, uh, a negative temperature gel pack, it um, antifreeze. They're not very specific on their temperature. We work in medicine. We've transferred kidneys biological pharmaceuticals for oncology, uh, organs. And when we say two to eight degrees, we don't mean 1.9 degrees and we don't mean 8.1. The specs are very specific. When we say minus seven, we mean precisely minus seven. When we say minus 16, we mean precisely minus 16. When we say minus 21, we mean precisely minus 21. So when we moved into, when COVID came, it actually increased our business because um, the the original vaccines had to be transferred at some of them, the Pfizer vaccines at minus 21 degrees, and then they had to be refrigerated out in the field. And they tried using other mechanisms and they didn't work. And we came on board and besides everything else, as you can tell, we're doctors. So we could help them from every aspect of the transfer. 
the second largest school system in the United States got a hold of us. They had to do, oh, Bob, help me here, 80,000 vaccines in two weeks. So they had to move the vaccines from the state. Correct. And then they had to, at, at minus 21 degrees, and they had to get them out into the field at two to eight degrees and maintain 14 vaccine clinics. So we did Zoom conferences with their people. We got them product quickly out to where they needed it. And we worked them through it and we managed to get that done. And now those vaccines were for the personnel. At that time, it wasn't cleared in the children. And now those same equipment is being used to move children's vaccines in the school district. And that's just one example. I know you've gone through, you'd mentioned one of the school districts that- Just as um, a follow-up. Go ahead. No, I just as a follow that to, to Cindy, these are multi-use. Um, they're reusable, they're they're cleanable, they're non-toxic. But that's that same school district on the West Coast, actually, when there's a, when there was a lull between the teachers getting vaccinated and the kids' vaccine becoming available, they were using the same products to help transport school lunches um, in, into rural areas. Uh, so they're they're able to be used for mul- multiple things, not just the the you know the med- the medication or foods or, or, or you know the large food delivery stuff that's going on now. I'm glad you brought that up. So they're purchasing these totes and these PCMs and they're keeping them. They're holding on to them and, you know, can use it for a number of, of things and continue to use them forever as many times as they can. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> uh, we have them out with um, and helicopters transporting blood for over 10 years. Unfortunately, they last forever. We built a high-end product. Now, on the tote itself, somewhere between five and ten years, they managed to break things on it. We allow them. We have, as we speak, nine pallets arriving from one of our large clients to be refurbished. So it'll come to us. We'll rebuild the product completely. The PCMs never go bad, and they never break. The only good thing is that the one client has 57,000 employees. And they tend to steal them. And I encourage <laughs> them to do that. I feel like I would probably do the same thing. So <laughs> need one for a well, picnic. We'd love to be able to engineer a product that after five years evaporates, but it has not happened. You both had mentioned some of the industries and the businesses that you are working with. Can we maybe go into other businesses that you're breaking into, I know you probably never expected to be working in with the people that you are now. In fact, we didn't go looking for them. Uh, law enforcement came to us and they said, can you help us transport temperature sensitive evidence? And when I thought about it, I mean, it's the same thing as transporting a biological pharmaceutical or a tissue. Now we're transporting semen, urine and uh, everything else. Same thing. Um, we didn't have to change a thing. So we helped them. Um, food completely caught me by surprise. It, I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about it. It wasn't in my wheelhouse. Um, but food has gone crazy. And I believe at least partly responsible for that is the pandemic. Many people no longer want to go to the store. They want to go on their computer, hit a button and have a frozen turkey and frozen Brussels sprouts and refrigerated something delivered to their house. And that created a whole new class of of businesses. 
And at this point, we are working with the third largest grocer in the United States, the largest grocer in Northern Europe. We're working with some $800 million uh, food delivery services, some $3 billion delivery services, and the largest grocers uh, billing out around $120 billion. Um, and we're having a hard time keeping up with them. You mentioned that, and I know, I remember the last time we talked, I said, so what are you going to do? Are you going to hire on? And you said, robots might be the way. <laughs> robots are the way, but it, it's also a challenge from our viewpoint because Unlike medicine, where our large clients are buying 1,000, 2,000 at a time, they're delivering the $750 million uh, food delivery service, which is an offshoot of the $100 billion service, delivers 3 million units a day. And that's only one of their smallest entities. So the gear up factor is impossible for us to anticipate. What we've told them is at some point we need to have a strategic relationship. We can't keep enough boxes, enough salts, our facilities not big enough, even with robots. Our facility is mostly automated to start with. Um, we make the plastic shell, and then it goes down an assembly line and gets filled automatically, and it goes down and gets welded automatically, and then it gets labeled automatically. But it, currently it doesn't get boxed and palletized automatically. So that We've already arranged for robots that can do that, and it requires a significant in, input of money. So all that means is we need long-term commitments to justify that. However, our current space isn't big enough. And if we go and double our current space, and then they come through with a large order, it still won't be right. And there's the challenge. Which division do you think is growing the most? Maybe the most business that is coming to you asking food. for these? Food. No yeah. question about it. Food. Frozen food. I mean, uh, it, with us working with the largest healthcare in the world, they buy in the, in the uh, roughly a couple thousand at a time. And for us, that's nothing. We have equipment that can build out three to six thousand a shift. Um, but food... Um, I, don't, I can't even begin to say where this is going to go. The problem is for with food that these gigantic corporations are intrigued by what we do, and they're buying and they're testing, and it's been a two-year process to get where we are in food, where they bought it, had labs test it, saw that it does what we said it can do. In fact, the test results I gave them were more stringent than their labs. They were telling me things I couldn't even get as good of results. But I'm used to medicine where things are very, very specific. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I, I just, with the supply chain the way it is right now, cardboard boxes went from taking four or five days to six weeks. And you can't just have unlimited quantities sitting around waiting because you need the space to maintain them. So it's going to be a challenge to be able to grow. And my other concern is, is I believe every large corporation watches every other large corporation. So if these large corporations, one of them goes full scale, I suspect the others are going to want to start to come on board too. 
just yesterday, we, we were uh, contacted by a frozen food delivery service in New Zealand. I don't know how they got our name because we're currently only selling in the United States. And Germany, well, we have Europe and um, we have Australia. Um, but we really certainly weren't looking for New Zealand. And, you know, I, I gave them what we could do. And I suspect they'll want to move forward. It seems like you're surpassing goals you never even planned. What might be goals for the future of the company? Either of you could answer um, and what you think might be happening in the future when it comes to thermal packaging. We pride ourselves in in, uh, quality service and uh, high-end products. I told you that our shell is um, our four-pound shell. When we talk about a shell we talk, uh, and, and weight, we talk about phase change material weight, not the weight of the unit. Weighs one pound. So it's actually five pounds, but it's four pounds of material. And that quality is costly. And when we weld it shut and all these things happen, it's then checked by humans currently. And we make sure that we have zero rejects. We have never had a client tell us they have a problem with any of our products. Just doesn't happen. I'm, I'm concerned that as we grow, this is going to be a very big challenge to maintain the supply lines and to maintain the quality where we have it now. Potentially the best problem to have that you're getting so much, so many customers and, and, and so many, you know, people wanting this. Um, I guess. Wasn't what- it Tommy Boy where he said you're either growing or you're dying? That's true. <laughs> okay. That's where we are. Right. <laughs> so you said you haven't heard a bad thing about Sydney. I don't know if, if, if go ahead. If Cliff mentioned way in the beginning, you know this is a this is a closed loop system, mm-hmm. so they're not dispo they're not disposable. Uh, they're continually re- re- reused and obviously have multiple multi use capabilities. But one of the things, getting back to the medicine piece. Um, a, a lot of new things are going on in medicine, particularly related to cancer and genetic testing and, and treatments specifically based on, on what the findings of those genetic uh, tests show. Uh, those kind of tests are, are what we refer to in medicine as very labile uh, temperature sensitive when they're drawn and then and then sent out to usually regional labs that you know they're not done typically lo- locally and you can have a huge amount of fail erroneous tests bad tests incomplete tests not readable tests they're very expensive tests uh, just from a processing standpoint so that that's something that that uh, companies have been talking to us about doing uh, doing these kind of t- doing the tr- shipping of these tests between the you know the where they're drawn in large regional labs <clears throat> that's another element of the business that uh, that is the potential of ramping up dramatically because uh, again back to the dry uh, ice regular ice doesn't keep things cold enough uh, dry ice in some cases can ruin the tests because it's too too cold, uh, and so that's another element in the in at least the medical part of the business that, that has is basically open ended at this point in time, and no one else has a product to be able to you know, to handle this. 
Bob and Cliff, thank you so much for sticking with me. And I do want to get back into a couple questions that I had. Um, Bob, you were talking about some folks that were reaching out to you for moving new product. And that kind of, that moved me along to what my next question was going to be was, what is new? What is next? What might, you know, Thermal Custom Packaging be looking forward to? We were recently contacted by a a company out of Texas that is a startup. And what they're doing It's going to sound familiar because uh, someone just recently went to jail for this, uh, is taking very small amounts of blood and running uh, complete tests. So this particular machine that they are utilizing takes micro amounts of blood automatically. So there's no human, no phlebotomist taking blood and runs all the tests. But what they didn't have was a way to keep the machine at the proper temperature while it was holding the blood and during transport. So we supplied them with PCMs to maintain two to eight degrees. And what their game plan is, is that a uh, person will go to each pharmacy where they plan on running these tests, um, pull out the samples, replace the PCMs, and uh, that could be interesting because you no longer have technical people that have to know how to do things. You have a machine in a pharmacy. Uh, I don't know the time frame. I suspect it is happening in the next couple of months. We have shipped them their first orders to try. Um, other things that are happening is I told you that um, we also make other PCMs. Uh, we make a PCM that maintains 25 degrees, uh, or what we refer to as ambient for platelet transport. We make uh, a PC-29 that keeps things from freezing. Think of uh, above, but where Bob lives high up in Canada, they have a problem maintaining whole blood from freezing. Uh, We also make PCMs that can uh, absorb heat. Think of a uh, fire-resistant door And we also make PCMs for parts of the world where they have a non-stable electrical grid. Think of things like um, telephone equipment. So when the electric grid is working, it charges our PCMs that are in the the, uh, building. And then when they lose the grid, it maintains the electrical equipment from overheating. So there's a lot of things we do, but we're almost overwhelmed with food right now. And I put everything on the back burner um, to keep up with with food. I I don't know, Sydney, what the amount of frozen refrigerated food that travels in the world, but it's got to be such a huge number. And even if we have 1% of it, you're talking billions of dollars. So... I need to stay focused on that and pretty much back shelf everything else. You know, it's interesting you mention food and, and you're saying that that is, you know, the largest division that you're seeing grow. But that's what everybody's seeing uh, when I'm, you know, going through articles online, whether it's in the United States, whether it's in other countries, whether it's in developing countries. That is what is needed right now is storage and ways to keep the cold food chain specifically running and going because the demand is just so high and people either don't have the storage for it or they don't have ways of just keeping things and and the shelf life where it's supposed to be. Um, Well, just think uh, about third world countries where you're trying to move COVID vaccines, but you're also trying to move food. Mm-hmm. And how do you keep your 
refrigerated when there is no ice and no dry ice available and no refrigeration. Um, we offer a solution. But once again, we are fairly well extended right now, and we have to be careful. We can't double in size every six months what's been going on. We can't continue to do this, or we will fail, and we'll lose our, we'll lose our edge. I think it's incredible the way the company has grown, truly. And it just goes to show the need for a product like this and, and what companies are, are looking forward to. Any last words either one of you would like to mention, either about the product or, or anything new that's happening? No, we uh, very much enjoyed being with you today. Um, you know, we will try to keep up on, on medicine and COVID vaccines and biologicals and oncology products. We move it all. Um, we will try to expand on food. Uh, we're currently working with about three huge conglomerates. If any one of them pulls the trigger on a big buy, um, you'll know about it because we're using our name on the PCM even through their uh, sales. And I will say this, Bob can, can confirm this. We have never had a client in 20 years tell us product doesn't work or didn't perform to where we told them it would perform. Um, and this includes the food companies that are telling that the feedback we're getting is um, it's performing. Uh, it's working out. And think about it. They no longer have to buy dry ice or refrigeration. They have a product in a closed loop where they're getting it back that they simply recharge. But we had to teach them how to recharge it. Now we're not freezing one unit or two units. We're freezing pallets and blast freezers. And they wanted certain specifications. They wanted frozen eight hours. And it all could be done. It, it just requires some setup. And we were also, the final thing we recently uh, have made a couple of shipments to is a company that appears to cook your dinner at your house in a van. Um, and they can't use dry ice. And they can't use electric refrigeration because the van is moving and the dry ice would kill the driver. Um, so we started supplying them. And it's it again. Uh, they're about three, four billion dollars. They're not huge, but they're big enough. And that's another concept that, if it grows, is going to tax our structure. Do you need a job, Sydney? <laughs> I can always use a side hustle. Not <laughs> mine. Oh no, Freight Waves. Freight Waves loves yeah, a side hustle. The, Sydney, you know the. the no. The, you know, the main no, thing and not to negate New the, the dry ice industry is that it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the you know shipping requirements, the transport, the airplane requirements, the you know, the burns because of it and potentially the explosions and fatalities because of it. I mean, it's it is dangerous. It's it's commonly used. It's probably commonly abused because people don't pay attention to it. But this this these products that we have completely eliminate the need the need for that. You know, on Monday, you buy a thousand pounds. By Wednesday, if you haven't used it, you're probably down to 50 percent of that thousand pounds because the, the dry ice evaporates. And that's not what happens with with our product and the fact that you can continually reuse it. You're not blowing off CO2 gases into, you know, the, the potential environmental issues. Everything that we have is green. Everything is non-toxic. Everything is recyclable. 
everything. And and so it's a completely different perspective than what's gone on in the past. The final thought I'll leave you with that, that I think you might find interesting is the United States Air Force um, has to do virus movement around the world, mostly throat cultures if a base gets sick. And it usually goes to Texas where their virologists um, uh, run the test. Oh, I would say 10, 15 years ago, I was contacted by them because they had to move viruses from Guam to Texas five days. And no amount of dry ice would do it. They tried gel packs, and we provided them with PCMs, and they said that worked perfectly. They never had a problem. But it's not magical. It comes down to we simply use more PCM, a smaller payload, and more insulation to get five days frozen. Dr. Cliff Glade, Dr. Bob DiLoreto, thank you both so much for joining the show. It's been it's been so interesting to hear about Thermal Custom Packaging. Your product is incredible. And I mean, what a crazy industry you guys have broken into. It's, uh, it's a challenge. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, thank you both again thank for joining. Thanks very much, Sydney. And I will keep up with you too. Um, I would love to. I would love to see your name out there more. So we'll see what we've got going on. And please keep me updated when you both have new things happening. Francesca and Madison to keep you in the loop. Thank you. Thank you both. I'll see you guys. That is it for tonight's Running on Ice. The show you can catch up online on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe at fruitwaves.com for the newsletter where I'll be linking this entire show so you don't want to miss a beat. Stay with us and see you in two weeks.